Project Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen. What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project Podcast. Good to be back. Been off for about a month. Haven't recorded an episode in a couple months. I've been up north jamming at work and after a super intense run back in Florida and thought the way to bring the podcast back was to have Mike Pedigo in studio. What's going on, Mike? You. Yeah. Uh, before we jump in, a couple quick notes, give you guys some updates on what's going on. And then Mike and I have a bunch of fun, cool things to talk about and a really cool announcement. Um... All right, where to start? The Unifoil Project. The last few months, while I haven't been able to podcast, I have been able to do some ridiculous testing, and the project is going extremely well. We've gone through a number of prototypes, and the first two models have been finalized. And there's going to be a 170, and then another size, which I don't know if I can talk about yet, but Mike's gotten to test them. and I do that every time, and I only get texts right when I start a podcast. It's ridiculous. You got out of the way early this time. <laughs> yeah, it got me. Um, so stay tuned for that. There's going to be some some very cool announcements coming out. The last video that I posted, it's like a four-minute run, is on the 170 and like two-foot surf, one to two-foot surf. So you can see the efficiency and the glide, and that's what we were tuning for. That's what we were trying to optimize for. Cliffy's a mad genius, and Unifoil has been so supportive in the project. You know, They didn't have a cap on the amount of prototypes that we could do. Toby, the owner, has just been super behind everything that Cliffy and I wanted to do and some some cool ideas and testing things, You know, like doing prototypes just to test the difference between leading edge of the mast to leading edge of the foil which is expensive because you've got to build a new prototype for each one of those. So even after we finalized the, the foil design, then we went through an iterative process of, of testing that difference for the right kind of feel that we wanted. So um, I can't wait to share it. I'm really excited to share it. And, and everyone who's been able to hop on it now uh, is, really, is really enjoying it. So stoked that that is coming out. Um, Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I think Mike, Mike might be getting one. Um, <laughs> North sent me a ton of wing gear, and I've been frothing on on their wings. Just uh, really enjoy the handles, um, and I really like their um, twelve hundred series and their ten hundred, uh, their one thousand, the high aspect one thousand um, in in winging. So so that's been unreal. Uh, been on the Barracuda finally after months of begging Dave. I finally got a Barracuda, and I cannot believe how different the feeling is in downwinding the Barracuda than what I had been on before, which I think is his E3 model, a 6'4", 23. Uh, and I don't know if I can talk about my dimensions on the Barracuda, but it just doesn't look right when you see it. It's like, what is this thing? And then you hop on it, and it foils like a tiny board. And I don't understand. Dave's coming on the podcast, and hopefully he's going to explain the magic of how that happens, but the I'm going faster downwind, and then the turns are just so much better. I feel like I'm on a smaller board, even though it's so much longer. It's got to be the width. It's got to be the swing weight, but that has been insane. Everybody has been telling me that I needed to do it, and 
finally had the opportunity to do it and and um yeah it's crazy it's a little a little strange in florida where the bumps are so tight i don't know if i get the full benefit i can't wait until we have a big day to feel the takeoff when the seams the the bumps are more spread out i think that's when the benefit is really going to show it's a little bit easier to pop up right now not a ton but the experience of flying is so much better that's it's pretty crazy so uh anything else i'm forgetting mike before we hop in i think that about sums it up oh the forum oh yeah yeah the 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 last note is i had been getting a lot of dms asking to do a forum over the last year and then i also get so many questions to instagram and i feel like that's such an inefficient way to answer questions because it's peer-to-peer it's one-to-one and then no one else can share in that knowledge so i end up answering the same questions over and over same here oh do you yeah Yeah, and uh so the forum we decided to start a forum uh mike's one of the moderators which is super awesome it's forum.progressionproject.com and in one week, there's already over 100 users. Haven't mentioned, this is the first mention on the podcast, just a couple um, Instagram uh, posts. I think it's going to take off, and it's already an active community. People are, there's a buy and sell portion as well. So if you're looking to sell used gear, looking to buy used gear, hop on and check it out. I know it's already facilitated a few sales, so it seems to be going uh, well. So forum.progressionproject.com. And with that, let's dive into the show. Mike, Yo, what's up, dude? Stoked to be here again. Yeah, not as stoked as we would have been if there was waves this morning. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. My energy level might be a little different because of that. We'll see. Uh, when was your last foil? I got the foil yesterday, okay. so I'll be okay. I'll be all right. Yesterday yeah. was a rare day off for me. It takes a lot for me to have a day. There was a shark attack, though, three blocks from our house. Did you hear this? I did not. Oh. Well, on Saturday, there was a ton of fish activity. And I don't know if you saw the video of Neptune Beach, the two sharks, like, right on the shoreline. No. Okay, so um, we were all out foiling on Saturday. I did a runner, like a mini runner, just kind of, like, to go change gear from, like, 18th down to 12th. Came back to the house, changed my gear up, hit the beach again, and everybody who was out foiling was standing on the beach. I'm like, what are you guys doing? (laughs) And they're like, we just saw a, a pretty big shark. And they were just giving it some time. And so then we went back out. Boy, we found out later that afternoon that someone on 10th Street, this is four blocks from where I live, um, had their leg bit severely. Oh, man. Might lose their foot. I did not. I'm surprised I didn't hear about that. Yeah. And so I went out yes, uh, Sunday morning. That shark was hunting. Yeah. If you guys saw it before. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So He's that's in there for a reason. That's scary. So <clears throat> I don't know. I like to think that the foil is a slightly protective device. You know? Do you think that? You know, I, well, I mean, it, it looks like a stingray, which is definitely not good, or a turtle, depending on how high aspect you're at. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like when I'm sitting on the board and I'm by myself in some of the inlets that I serve that I know are very sharky because I've flown the drone over them and seen several cruising around surfers. I like to think that the foil is kind of a guard for my feet. Do you so pull your like, feet in underneath your board yeah, sometimes? Yeah. So, I do so that too. Like, maybe they're going to hit the foil before they hit me, and then it's like, all right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, I think when you're sitting on your board, it's protection. But I think when you're flying, Yeah, I think when you're flying, enticing. it's maybe an attractant. But yeah. just sitting on the board, it's kind of nice knowing that there's something else under my feet versus a surfboard. 
Yeah. Yeah. So Mike and I have been talking about what to focus on in this show. And we get overwhelming feedback on our guide shows. So we've done Beginner's Guide to Foiling together, and we've done the Guide to Runners. So today we decided to take on um, a guide for tuning and foil setup. And so we'll hit some other questions as well. But before we get into that, we have an announcement to make. Mike, won't you give the announcement? Yeah. Um, So... I've been shaping boards for a very long time. Eric has been designing boards for a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) Designing, shaping, we're we're both doing we're both doing all of it. Um, We are going to combine the competition doesn't end experience (laughs) (laughs) even in the same yeah. Um, Stoked that we're we're going to combine our experiences and um, and we're we're starting our own foil label for for boards. Yep. And I'm super stoked about the project. We've been talking about doing this for a long time. We've been bouncing ideas off of each other on boards and taking bits and pieces of what each of us has learned and experienced and applying it into our own boards and our own foiling. And um, I think moving forward, it's going to be awesome to team up with Eric and and take this take this to the next level. Yeah, I'm stoked. I mean, you are, and I, I say this all the time, I think the best board builder in foiling right now. I mean, I test everything and that's why I wanted to do, I mean, obviously there's a lot of reasons why it's going to be fun to do this project together, but I, I test everything and your boxes are the only ones that I have not broken. I've broken everything out there. I've, I've popped boxes in. Um, and, and so you also design really cool boards, but you're mostly a hand shaper and I've had a lot of experience Mm -hmm. in on the computer. And so that's been, we, we, we come at this with very same passion, but very different skill sets. For sure. And which is cool. It's been, it's been awesome for me to have you kind of, you know, it was, I was reluctant to step away from hand shaping in any form. Um, and over the past few months, I've dived in with your help um, into the designing. And yeah. I, man, it is it's very different and awesome. Like the, the the tweaks and details that I can get down to just kind of blow my mind and I'm kind of hooked on it. Um, the control I have and how much I can tweak from one design to the next and just losing the little fluctuations of, you know, as, as much as I pride myself on being a, you know, a super detailed hand shaper, the reality is it's still, it's still hand shaped, you know? So there's, and, and, and I mean, hand shapers accept that to some level that, there will be some inconsistencies, but man, yeah, it's it's a very it's a very different game, and I'm stoked to have dived into that realm of the design process. Yep, uh, and and the all of your blanks are looking really good too. Like they're true to what you have been hand shaping, so probably just a little bit more precise, model to model, but anyone who already likes your boards right. is still going to love and, these. They're and actually, was, they'll probably be better because you're going to have those angles. That's what I love about the computer is that, and I use Aku and Shape 3D. I have a special weird process. I use both on, on all my models, which I think is the secret. <laughs> <laughs> I won't give away the secret, but I think that's the secret. And you can get so precise with angles. Mm-hmm. And that is where... 
foiling is is a game of you know quarter degrees at this point. Absolutely. I thought it was a game of degrees a year ago, and now I think it's a game of quarter degrees. Yeah. And so, to know that people have exactly what you, the feel that you would like them to have, right? You know, board to board. I think yeah, it's super and I mean, important. like for you know the main model that I've worked on over the past few months, I've basically taken you know a, a model that I hand shape frequently. Yep. Um, that I, I ride myself and and slowly put it into the computer and mm-hmm. kept making the little changes necessary to get it to exactly you know what I'm used to and right. what I like the feels of. Yeah. That's unreal. So, I love it. I love that that's something we can do. Yep. And I am I'm over the moon because with this partnership now I'm getting access to your build quality. <laughs> we um we're working with with a buddy and who's uh, an incredible glasser and actually he flew into town and Mike spent a week teaching yeah. him the secret sauce of how those boards are so strong and so light. And so there, the, the construction is the same. I know that's been hard for you to let that go a little it, bit. It, hasn't it, it was, but you know, luckily I trust him and, uh, you yeah. know, yeah, but I, that's, that's been, uh, I mean, obviously the design is, is a huge focus, but you can have a incredibly designed foil board, but if you, if you break the boxes out or you don't have the stiffness, then what, you know, you, right. you've lost, I mean, so I, I've definitely over the years put a huge emphasis on the construction, like the details of the construction and the stiffness and the longevity of boards. And I think that's so crucial moving forward. I mean, nobody wants to buy a carbon fiber board that's going to blow out boxes in a few months, you know, nope. so. I don't really sell pedigos because I know that they're always going to work. Right. You know, like fly lines, <laughs> I don't I don't get rid of them. Um it's tough to get those off of me. So anyways, that's really cool. You guys stay tuned as that becomes officially announced. Our first big order. So we've been prototyping and testing and making sure that everything's good before we announce this. Now we are in production on our first order of over 20 boards, which will be followed up pretty shortly by by another order. So if you are interested in and the models that I ride, the the MJ, and then what I'm calling the runner right now, but that name might change. And then your models are going to be on offer probably within the next three weeks, something like that. So mm-hmm. if you're interested, send us a DM. Um, hit us up, and then we'll, we'll keep you guys posted as the website launches and, and all that happens. Right on. All right. Want to talk about tuning? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Where do we start? That's such a broad... Oh, man. Wide category with so many different feels and preferences. Yeah. Let's start with let's start with where we are now and then work backwards. And let's talk about actually let, let's reframe that a little bit. Let's talk about the journey to getting to where we like our tunings now. Because I have changed over the last two years, you know, what I would have said I liked in a setup two years ago is very different than what I would like now. Absolutely agree. And, yeah. and maybe we talk about that journey and we go through yeah. it and, and why we think, because, and I will make this note that the tuning that I'm riding now, I don't think I could have ridden 18 months ago. I don't think that I was nuanced enough or, or good enough right. to, to ride the tuning 18 mm-hmm. months ago that I'm riding now. And so maybe we, we do this as a process, like if you're here in the learning curve, Maybe this is how you should set up your foil, and this is yeah. how you get it. Yeah, I I think uh, I I would totally agree with what you just said because I'm thinking back on on uh, my tunings in the earlier days, and I I actually feel like the tunings I had in the earlier days were good for me at the time. Correct. Yeah. But now I'm after you know 
different feels and feels that I'm able to manage more now, whereas then I, I wouldn't have been able to. Right. Yeah. Um, for me, just to kind of run with it in the beginning, I really, there's a, there's a feel on foils that are, have a lot of nose lift, a lot mm-hmm. of front foot feel. Um, which, so when you increase the angle of attack on your tail wing, you know, you're creating the extra lift in the nose. And I do feel like that type of... Let's get a little basic there, and let's talk about angle of attack and tail wing. Let's define some of that in case people don't understand. Right, so if if you've got a tail wing that you can shim, and you change the angle of attack to where there's more angle of attack, meaning that the tail is pulling down more. And I say pulling down, it's pulling up the front wing because it's pulling the the fuse down. Um, I, I refer to that as... A, a more positive angle of attack, but depending on which foil you're riding, that you know. So we got to make sure we're on the same page there. It, it's for the negative listeners. in regards to if you're thinking about the angle of attack of the front wing being uh, positive, then it's negative. Right. Okay. So, so um, I started out enjoying more shim to shim it negative. Yeah. I liked that nose lift, and the reason I did, and the reason I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for a beginner is because they they kind of surf more naturally like when you lean into a board that has heavier front foot pressure and nose lift they turn pretty easily like you don't have to think about as much input they just kind of roll over well and they follow along with you but the the downside to that is you're increasing some drag and some efficiency right Mm -hmm. so um as i've progressed i've i've started shimming less in my tail to a more neutral position and slowly sliding my mast up more. And so now I am doing the input that the tail would have done. Yep. And I'm comfortable with that now because I've gotten so many hours on flying on foil that, you know, those, those controls come naturally for me now. Whereas in the beginning, I kind of needed that, um, that sort of dependability of a, of a tail wing to just follow me through a turn and feel natural like that. So that's kind of how my evolution has gone over the past few years. Yeah. Um, so I would say that my path has been similar, except that in the beginning, once I got past the get up and get on foil flying phase, so I was on cloud and NP gear at the beginning, mm-hmm. which is pretty front footed. And I did yeah. kind of the zero to, if you look at growth as like a zero to 10 I did like zero to two on cloud and NP, very front footed. And then I started getting to the point where I was comfortable flying, but I wanted to surf and I still had a surf mentality. And I spent a lot of time over the years on shortboards that when I got my first, like what I would say, like real good setups, which were uni and signature, I started shimming a little bit more. My, my foil was farther back in the box and I liked back foot because once I started attacking the lip, um, I really liked a lot of back foot because it felt like surfing mm-hmm. and you can see that like I I think that there are Like three levels and I don't know if I've talked about this on the show before but there are three levels you know, I've, We've talked about it. We have of, yeah. of foiling and if you're coming from surfing and so like level one is I'm a good short border. I want to get that same thing out of my foil and you're kind of surfing off the back foot. You're probably in a wider stance to manage that. Um, and the, the feel is similar to foiling. I've got a buddy who lives in Costa Rica, Andrew, who was just here 
and he tows big surf and he surfs constantly and he talks about he's a pretty good foiler he talks about tuning his foil to feel as much like surfing as possible so he's seamlessly going back and forth between the two sports he likes his foil to feel like a surfboard so that he doesn't have to worry the next time he's going to get kegged somewhere um it's a fair and, argument and on the other side I, you know like the level three i think is folks who came at foiling from a first principles foiling standpoint which were guys like kiahi and kane where they didn't think about surfing as the framework for foiling and instead they approached foiling like all right this is a fo- how do i want to fly this foil and so you see guys like Kiahi and Kane tending to be a little bit more centered, uh, a little bit more upright in their foiling, um, narrower stances, and they're letting the foil do the majority of the work. It's less upper body. It's less torque from the turns. It's really just about putting the foil at the right angle and then loading it. And they're incredibly efficient at that. And then I think that, like, Mike and I probably fall in somewhere in, in level two right now. And I don't think these are levels, maybe levels, they're categories, because it's not like someone who's in category one isn't as good of a foiler as someone in category three. It's just the approach. So, so maybe the level terminology is wrong. But the um, I like to go back and forth between kind of a wider, more surf stance and then more of a first principles type, depending on the wave and the setup. And For sure. so... So, and, and the tuning, going back to the tuning, how you're approaching that um, really affects how you want to tune. Absolutely. H- how you're riding yeah. affects how you want to tune. And right. so, <laughs> uh, where I have landed, it's similar to where Mike has landed as well, is that I tune my foil to be as fast as possible now. So, I want, uh, I want the foil to the front wing to to not have too much pitching moment and i don't like foils that have too much pitching moment because then you have to tune that out with a lot of tail shim um negative angle on the tail if we're talking about like front to back wing uh angles so down and the the leading edge of the of the tail being lower in the water when you're sitting in the water and the so if a foil has too much front pitching uh, forward pitching then you have to tune that out with tail and then that slows down the rig so so i won't ride foils that have a lot of pitching moment i I just kind of stay away from them because there are foils out there uh the uni that we're doing right now the 1095 um all you know most of the takuma stuff that don't have the the forward pitching so you can really like streamline that tail get a much more efficient foil and then have a faster overall rig and to get that though you have to move the foil very far forward in the box. So Mike was actually just looking at one of my foils in the garage and kind of laughing at how far forward it was. It's it doesn't look right. Far forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I've I've um, you know trended in that in that same direction. And one of the to me one of the benefits of shimming less in the tail um, and moving the foil itself further forward is that now I'm able to get my back foot behind the mast a little bit, and I feel mm-hmm. like that has added this sort of extra element of control, you know, if you think about leverages and, yep. and torque and, um, so for like more pivoty turns, being able to position your foot a little behind the mast makes a big difference on what you can make your setup do. Mm-hmm. 
so that's been a big driving force for me and the and why I've slowly tuned more in that direction because I want to get my back foot behind the mass a little bit. Yep. Is it something I've started doing a lot recently and I think that you do it too is that my back foot is constantly moving now depending on how fast I'm going into a turn. I kind of know how much pressure I'm going to need. So the faster yeah. I'm going, the little I have to be a little bit farther back on the right. tail. So if I come in and I'm like doing a couple S carves and each one of them is building faster and faster, mm-hmm. between each one of those turns, my foot's moving back a half inch, a half inch, yep. a half inch to kind of get the same balance. You doing that too? Absolutely. And and I'll I'll move my back foot around depending on the turn that I'm setting up to, you know. I mean, if I'm about if I'm at the bot about to do a bottom turn and I'm looking at a a face that I'm planning on doing like the tightest wrap I can get. Yeah. I mean, I'm on those turns. I'm, I'm wiggling my back foot almost all the way back to the kicker. You're on sometimes. the kicker. Yeah. Now, I dude. mean, a lot of times I'm, you know, but I know that I'm going to need that leverage when I get to my next spot. Right. You know, so I'm setting up my foot stance dedicated to the turn that I want to do. And I don't, al- I don't always surf with my foot that far back. You know, if I'm, hit- if I'm hitting foam, for example, I-, I definitely like to have my foot further back. Yep. I feel like I have more control over the pivot, the snap, even the recovery. Um, so I yeah, think it I'm gives you the leverage you need. Constantly moving my foot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On, on foam hits, that's the only time I'm touching my kicker. Right. At this point. And I like, that's one of the things I like about the forward mast. And if mast. you're touching your kicker, you're way, you're way behind the mast. Yeah, look at look at a, a clip or something like it's like yeah. weird. It's like the mast is in the middle of my feet almost. Yeah, um, which is just kind of weird. But that makes a big difference on just foot placement relative to mast. Yep. And and tuning is is kind of what gives you the ability to get your placement relative to the mast that you want. Yep. And it's all about the turns, the style you're going after too, you know, like a, if you're not banging foam, you might not need to get that far back behind the mast. And it's also about the foil that you ride as well. That's there a are certain foils too, like for sure. Takuma tends to ride farther back in the box. Go foil mm-hmm. rides way back in the box. Yeah. Lift rides much further forward right out of the gates. I think Armstrong, I feel like always has yep. ridden a little further forward too. And, and that's something that somebody mentioned on the forum that we should touch on is like what gear doesn't go together. And I had a buddy, Scott, shout out Scott, uh, who's um, riding a Takuma 1095 now. And when he first got it, he's on the an Armstrong board, and he was riding, I guess, the 1210. And the boxes in the Armstrong, so Armstrong's making boards for their foils, which ride, you know, incredibly far forward, were too far forward for him to ride the Takuma. Skuma. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, that's another thing, like, you know, if you ride GoFoil a lot, if you're making boards for GoFoil, and then you want to throw a lift on there... It's probably yeah. not going to work. Yeah, you're you're stretching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is there any other gear um, combos that don't work? I mean, I think I would put um, Neil Prides in the mix with GoFoil and yep. Takuma, and where the, I think I I think GoFoil rides the fur from what I've felt, GoFoil rides the furthest back of all mm-hmm. the foils that I've ridden. And um, yeah, I think Neil Prides kind of similar to GoFoil in where they ride and. If you think about GoFoil, it's an interesting one because it rides the farthest back, and then it also has one of the widest cords of mast. So uh, they're really locked in because of that. You know, you think about the mast being like a single fin. You're moving that farther back on the tail. Mm -hmm. And then um, you can really see those characteristics come through in the riding. Yeah. Um, 
but it's so stiff. Like yeah. that setup is like probably one of the better setups still mm-hmm. as far as construction goes. Oh yeah. I mean that mast is bomb proof for sure. But yeah, it's that, that is interesting. I mean, when I was riding GoFoil, um, I was kind of f- like fighting this battle of wanting to get my back foot behind the mast more. And I just, it was hard. Like I couldn't really, you know, I had to tune my gear really weird to kind of get where I wanted to be with it. You know, how were you tuning? I would, go for so, so, um, I started making my own tails for the, that's, that's actually where I started making that, that, um, tail I've been selling. Do you still have any more left? Foil. Yeah. There's a few left. Yeah. Okay. Um, Daniel from foil parts has the the last few, um, on the website, but that did well. Good work. Yeah. 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 People are enjoying them. Um, so that's where I started making that tail and I, um, and I was changing the angle of attack a lot to try to get the feel that I was looking for. And there was a limit. I mean, you, on, on a go foil setup that naturally rides that far back in the box, you can only push it so far forward before you start introducing a ridiculous amount of pitchiness and, you know, you start losing control. So you're, Mm -hmm. you're robbing Peter to pay Paul at some point. Um, I kind of found a, a sweet spot and, and went with it for a while, but ultimately I'm, you know, with the gear I'm riding now, I'm happier with where I'm able to position my setup and the tuning. I feel like I have more, I actually feel like, um, I'm mostly riding Takuma gear right now. I feel like I have more leeway with tuning on that system for whatever reason than I did on the GoFoil system. Yeah, that surprised me too. You know, I had an aha moment probably about six, eight months ago, which is when all of my tuning changed. And I was riding the 1095. It was on, I believe, the Sadrus mast at the time. And I was on the Katie Blunt tail before I chopped it before I like created a weird Frankenstein blunt. And we were doing laps at uh, an inlet shoal. And so I'm walking by the car every time. And it just wasn't feeling great. Like there was a little bit more drag because of the wider mast. But I was also able to crank really hard turns because it was the first time I was feeling that amount of stiffness out of Takuma. But it just didn't feel like it was it was playing well together for some reason. So on one of the walks, I was like, all right, I'm just going to get one more, but I'm going to try something just crazy. So I reverse shim. So I added uh, less angle of attack to the blunt tail. So I flipped the shim around. So it was like a one and a half degree shim. And I flipped it around to basically push the nose down, which is something I would never do. I've never I had never done it before. And then I took the 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 mast and I slammed it all the way forward in the box, which on this box, it was like pretty crazy how far forward you could go. So it was like a really weird setup. Um, And it was the best the 1095 had felt. And so that was my aha moment of, wait a second, like there's a whole different way that Mm -hmm. I could be tuning a foil. And then I've just been playing with that for the last six to eight months. And it's now, you know, like the way that I ride. It's kind of crazy. Yeah interesting yeah some people um almost anti-tuning you know have you noticed that like it's like they get a setup and it's like i don't want to mess with it and there's an argument for that because you get used to a certain feel and you 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 kind of make it work but i'm um i I feel like i mean you're you're tuning stuff all the time so you're definitely in this boat i don't really want to have to make something work i want to make something work for me and i think that's where tuning comes in and if you're if you're scared to tune something, then you're you're uh, you're keep you're you're keeping your gear from working for you at its best ability, and that's that's kind of the 
the bullish call for for tuning yeah you know that's why i think it's so crucial i think that point that you made there is a good one in that i think you can tell immediately you know within the first 30 seconds of a ride if a foil has the potential to be really good yeah and there are certain foils that you know i will ride and it will be less than a 15 minute session and i'm like this this isn't for me and mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it's not for somebody but right. for the way that i ride and what i want i can tell if a foil is is really good very quickly but mm-hmm. it might take me a whole week to get, to get it wrap, tuned perfect to get it yep. yeah it, to where and when i say tuned <laughs> perfectly you're not suffering in the pump you're not getting pitchy in turns it's not requiring weird corrections mm-hmm. you know in with through speed ranges all, all of that and that that can take a while to get and sometimes you need you know different conditions to get it as well but um yeah i think you can tell if a foil is good pretty quickly but then it can take a long time to get it right totally agree yeah yeah um what else do you want to cover today man we got time maybe we should dive into um some sort of specifics on on tuning to help help people okay so um I, for example, still like a somewhat back-footed feel when I'm turning. I like to be able to drive off of my back foot. Mm-hmm. And for, for people out there that are wondering what they can do to their setup to get more of that feel, um, for me, it's less angle of attack in the tail and sliding the mast further forward yep. to compensate for the less angle. Um, and that, that, so like if that's the, the feel you're looking for closer to a surf feel, heavy back foot and through turns, that would be the way to go. If you want, um, a super easy breezy, like, you know, maybe the, you know, like a, a super close stance where you can just kind of lean and depend that the foil is going to follow you, then maybe a little bit more angle of attack in the tail is, is going to be good for you. You just have to remember that you're going to be sacrificing some efficiency. So- I solved that when we were just looking at our boards through just, I think we tune our foils the same way. You ride about two inches farther back than me. Mm-hmm. And that that's those feels. Yeah. Because I like that more glidey, right. kind of like Kern J-Bay is yep. what I always think about. Um, and you're like mix snapper. That's the goal. Yeah. That's I mean, goal. Mike, on the record here, I think Mike's doing the best turns in foiling right now. Um in the pocket type turns. You nice. made a bunch of other shit, but I'll give you that one. <laughs> well, you heard it. You heard it, folks. You gave it to me. <laughs> yeah, that's the direction I've been. I've been kind of hyper-focusing on some specific things over the past couple of months. One of those is that that super tight pocket turn. I'm, I'm kind of going after a wrap. You know, the goal is like a wrap that's so tight in the pocket where you, you almost just stall out and slide back into the down the wave because you're just so deep in the pocket um yeah i don't know if it's going to be quite as doable as i hope it is but i don't know go, if it's I'm, possible i'm still going after it i don't i don't i i mean i can't I, you, if anyone can do it it's gonna be you it's just a weird one when you think about like if you think about it from surfing the way that you get that slide as you transition your weight onto your nose and that's like what's releasing and letting you have to have something for the radius to go around. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can maybe do it off of the front foil through the tail, but yeah, I don't know. I'm going to find, I'm I'm working on it. I'm working on it. You're close. Yeah. Definitely been hyper-focusing on some specific pieces lately. I think tuning at the beginning 
the heavy front foot feel, almost kind of like a banana where the foil is coming at you, coming up on you, is is easy because there's only one direction to correct. It's less to manage. It's yeah. less nuanced to manage. You just push down. Yep. You know, and so I think that if you are in the beginning of the learning curve right now, you kind of want the foil. You don't want to be overlifted where you can't paddle into a wave, but you want your your mind to only really be focused on one direction, which is push down. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I'm flying too high right now. Transfer the weight forward. Get the foil back right. down again. And then likewise, on that setup with the tuning like that, when you lean and you turn, it's going to come around. You're going to you're not oh, going to yeah. have to put a ton of back foot pressure. Yep. through a turn to make it happen because of the way that um, the angles are set up. So, yep. yeah. Uh, and yeah, that NP, I just actually, a buddy of ours just got into foiling. He's a longboarder around here, just retired actually, Tom. And he was asking what foil setup to get. And I was like, the Matt Kite had a deal on the Neil Pride XL. He, you know, I was like, grab it. Like, <laughs> still, man, bang for the buck. That's, yep. if you're getting into the game, I still tell people about that that foil setup it's a great foil yeah yeah we both started yep. pretty much on that one yeah i spent like a solid six months on the neil pride and um i made a lot of progression through that yeah. one and i look back on some of my footage and it was actually like for the time and where i was at in foiling like it's pretty pretty smooth you know like i was like this is yeah. i don't i did not hate my foiling it was before you, you know, got that funky I... offset stance bro <laughs> it looks way better <laughs> i was still i was still very centered <laughs> that's funny you, you say got that. covid man this is like the fourth time you've called i know man it's just like it's right when we started talking if i get sick i'll be sick no, no, you're, you're good this is this is post-covid stuff okay um yeah I, I actually recently dug way back in my instagram and and kind of like went on a little storyline of my own foiling journey just to see like like you know it's yeah. good to rewind and like okay what's changed and you know stance is one thing that definitely changed for me i mean i started fully centered just like i do mm-hmm. when i surf yep um and slowly it, that's a that's changed and um obviously the gear has changed and the way i'm foiling's changed but it's it's cool to look back on your own journey if you've been foiling for multiple years i think it's cool to to look back and kind of see where you came from and where you've gone and kind of like sort of like just look into the changes and maybe why some of those things happened and yeah yeah i do that every probably three or four months as well yeah and just it's it's interesting when you go back and you do it like what surprised me is that some of the stuff from like a year and a half ago doesn't look bad it's just not nearly as refined right as that's what i was finding with myself too like when i was talking about the neil pratt i'm like oh that's like there's some reasonably flowy turns there and it looks pretty good. It's just, yep. you know, the, the intensity is different now Yep. In, in what I'm doing. And, but yeah, it wasn't bad. Yep. So here's a thought we were talking about before we came up to record, which is where we are at right now in foiling. And I think Instagram's influence on what people are riding and buying. There's been a trend recently to go to hyper small high aspect foils and i think they're awesome like i think like the lift 90 lift 120 i think they're brilliant foils but i feel that they're not necessarily daily drivers at least in our surf right and we can only comment about our surf i mean if i lived in costa rica i was towing every day like my gear would be very different so take all this through the lens of someone who lives at a place with a uh, a beach break with you know weak small 
um, period swell. But I, I find that, uh, and my buddy uh, Josh Waitskin talks about this a lot as well, and how social media shapes culture, and that right now social proof um, feedback is coming through what folks are posting on Instagram. And right now, what is getting likes, shares, views is the most radical turn someone can do. Um, I find that a lot of the beauty in foiling, though, happens over a two to three minute run. But I mean, if I post a four minute clip, I just post like a four minute clip. It gets half the views of me posting one turn, (laughs) which I, I don't really care about. It's not what I'm optimizing for necessarily. But I think that because the clips that are being seen the most are on these for the conditions, radically smaller foils. And then that's what's getting hyped and pushed. I almost feel like we're approaching not to the same level because foiling just, I mean, even on a, a lift 90, you're still having a great session. But the the 90s Kelly Slater potato chip banana surfboards. And I think for 95% of people listening to this show, myself included, I'm having way more fun riding a 170 and maybe the clip doesn't look quite as radical as if i was on a 140 or 120 um but it's a much more fun experience and i fear a little bit right now that the the whole industry is getting led towards something that's not going to be beneficial necessarily for all of the riders um i don't know what are your thoughts on that yeah i i totally agree i mean um like we were talking earlier the the 980 for me is my favorite surf wing, hands down, right now. Um, but I don't, I don't actually find myself riding it a ton. For a, for it being a favorite foil, you would think I would be riding it all the time. Mm-hmm. For me, it takes the right conditions. I don't, I don't really enjoy that wing as the the session as a whole. I should say I don't enjoy that wing as much when it's, you know, thigh high. Like, can I can I make it work? Absolutely. Can I still pump out back and get a set wave? Absolutely. But the the amount of work I'm doing in between and the amount of actual foil flight time I have is, is different on that wing on a small day than it would be on the 1095 or the 1210. Yep. So a lot of the times when those conditions are smaller like that, like I'm talking about, you know, a thigh high day, that's kind of mushy, maybe waist high. I'm still kind of gravitating towards the, the wings that I'm going to get the most flight time on and have the most fun and still be able to turn, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, you know, I mean, if I took the 1440 out, sure, I'd be able to get a ridiculous amount of flight time, but then I'd, I can't surf it quite as well. So it's like, right. you know, I, I tend to land on that in that similar size range that you're talking about, like 170 for that, for that reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I'm, I'm guilty of the same. I, you know, sometimes I'm like, I take the 980 out. I want to rip the most ridiculous turn and maybe there's a camera on and it's like, and mm-hmm. that it's, it, it plays with your mind, but in the end, from a fun standpoint, it's like, what are you having the most fun on? Yeah. You know, what, like as, for, for the session as a whole, what so, is the most fun for you? The, I mean, right now it's, it's 1095, 1210 mm-hmm. in thigh waist high surf. That is so fun for me right now. I'm so frothy when I see waist high surf and I've got those two wings in my truck. It's, you know, I know I'm going to have a great time. Yeah. hundred percent. I'm going to have a great time. I can still hit lips. I can still whip turns. And I can still catch multiple waves and not like feel like my heart's going to explode. You know, I mean, that's what I want. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, so, and the 980 is incredible. I, like I said, like if I was going to do, if I was going to be in a surf 
foil competition where they were judging specifically on radical maneuvers, that's the wing I would be on right now, mm -hmm. would be the 980. But as far as the fun factor goes on the session as a whole, that's not always the one. Yeah. You know, and I, and I feel different when it's, when it's bigger. If it's, you know, chest high, then I'm, I'm probably am taking the 980 out. Right. Because it's the better wing for the conditions. Yep. Yep. No, I agree with, with everything you said right there. Um, but it, it bums me out sometimes when we're out back and I see someone show up and they're struggling to get back out. They keep stalling out as they're going to pump for mm -hmm. a wave. I'm just like, yeah, you're blowing it. <laughs> no. And you know, th that's something that downwind has taught me, you know, so downwinding, I'm generally on, it was exclusively on the 1440 until this uni 170. And now it depends on how good it is. You know, if it's really meager, I'm on the 1440. If there's, you know, if it's probably 18 plus I'm on the 170 and my normal run now is probably 25 to 35 minutes and you're not really doing anything incredibly radical you know when I'm down I mean, I'm doing some some s carves but that's about as mm -hmm. but the sensitivity the time on foot is allowing my prone game to get way better sure what I'm feeling now in prone and the foot movements because downwind while it's it's a pretty subtle game my feet are moving constantly like i'm always moving to optimize for efficiency for pump for turning whatever it is and it's easy to move around on a big board um but that foot sensitivity has now worked its way back into prone and so i'm able to turn bigger wings i think a little bit better than i was before and i just feel like i'm i'm in the right place much more frequently than i was before um because of time on foil so if you extrapolate that down to the prone game if you are averaging five connections per run instead of two, your learning progression is going to happen. So maybe you're taking a year and you're riding a little bit bigger gear, and maybe you're not going to do the 10 best turns you would have if you were riding a smaller wing, but I guarantee you will be a better foiler in a year because of time on foil. That's a great point. That's a great point. And I, to add to that, I'll also say when you learn to do aggressive turns on bigger foils, when you get on a smaller oh, foil... Yeah. It's like, oh man, like this yeah. just this just got real. <laughs> when you go from the twelve ten to yeah, the nine eighty, cranking turns on the twelve ten, and then you hop on the nine eighty, and it's like, yes, like you, yeah. it's there. You, I mean, it's like right out of the gates, like you got it. Yep. And something else that I really like about those two foils, and then about what we're doing right now, is if you are dialed on the twelve ten, you can hop to the nine eighty, or I can hop from the one seventy down, and you don't have to change your framework for foiling. Yeah. You know, but if I go from the 1210 to the lift 120, there's a whole lot of mechanical yeah, totally stuff that agreed. has to change. Yeah. And so you're not, you're not dialed as quickly as you would be. Totally agree. Even with tuning, um, mm -hmm. I mean, my tuning on the 1210 is the same as it is on the 980. I, I don't have to change anything. You just change the front. I just foil. change the front wing. Yeah. And, and, it feels right at home. Mm -hmm. It's the same system. It's the same tuning, you know, so I can, I can jump back and forth between those two wings very easily because of that. And that's nice. That's yeah. nice to have. Yeah. That is, it's nice when you're not ruining sessions. I do a lot of sessions, especially lately with what we're doing, where it's just about tuning right. and I've got my tools on the beach and I'm doing one or two runs and I'm running in and I'm running out. Um, but I get real tired of that. Yeah. You know, it's this not is as fun. No, it's not as fun, but it's necessary. No, especially for what you're doing right now. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've definitely I've I've had a couple sessions where I'm like, okay, I'm like mentally I'll just be like I'm I'm pretty much going to burn this session cuz I want to figure some things out mm-hmm. on tuning. Yep. You know, I got to dedicate this session to tuning and I'll drag stuff down to the beach and come in and go back out, come in, go back out. And it's it's just a necessary evil to get to where you ultimately want to be. Um and that is um that is one of the uh i'll edit this real quick i just got a text it's my anniversary today my wife is in california right now so she left me for our anniversary my son got to go to woodward for the last couple days which has been unreal um but um you don't want to ruin a good day yeah i don't do that on i don't do that on great days Right. You got to go with what you know on the good days. You, you want to have everything dialed on the bad days, so when the good day comes, yeah, you're set. Agreed, um, for sure. So talk for a minute. I'm going to pull up the forum, and some people were commenting on stuff we should talk about, and I will. Uh, I'll look that up while you. Man, the, that, the forum has been awesome. I love how frothy foilers are in general. You know, the guys that are hopping on that forum, they're they're deep in the game, and it's cool to see everybody's feelings and thoughts and. You know, I, I like seeing people that feel different things than I do because it kind of opens my mind up. It's so easy to get lost in your own path and your your own direction and, you know, like kind of get closed minded to maybe what else is out there that's doable. And that forum is it's definitely going to open up some eyes. Yeah, the first thread you posted on there. Naturally. Yep. <laughs> thread on foot stance. Cause we, cause Eric and I argue about the, uh, the offset all the time and, and, uh, he argues with me about it yet. He's a little, I'm a bit little, offset. I'm a little offset. So. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying you shouldn't be offset. I'm just saying that I don't think that it goes, I think you're at the limit of what I think I off- probably am. Yeah. I think I would, I would actually agree because I have dabbled with even further and there, there is a limit. Um, but, but to me, when I, when I look back, so we talked about like how I kind of look back on my foiling journey. And um, I looked at my foot stance, and as my foot stance started changing, my foiling started getting better too. And I say getting better, um, I'm talking about like the specifics, like how radical of a turn can I do? How tight of a turn can I do? How, how hard am I laying it over? And um, as foot stance changed, I noticed that those things started changing, and I think that there's definitely a correlation. So I posted on the forum about foot stance because I wanted to just see what the... Right. You know, what everybody else is feeling and that's great like there's a lot of i mean there's a lot of great guys that are offset and they feel the same things that i do and they're yeah. offset for the same reasons it's just cool to see yeah so you shouldn't need that external validation you want to talk about I, that no, why you it, need that it was more of a it was more of like a it was half that and half like a friend jab to uh, like yeah. you know hop on this forum you created and then have everybody talk about offset stance <laughs> that's classic uh let's talk about fuse length i was reading through some of the forum things people want us to talk about and and fuse length is a big one yeah um i like a i feel like where i've landed is kind of middle of the road for fuse length i don't i don't really like the super long stuff and i don't really like the super short stuff Mm -hmm. um the super long stuff to me feels very drivey very uh you know you can stretch out a pump, which is great. I think you can get more efficiency out of a pump on a longer fuse. 
the super short stuff is the polar opposite. You're increasing your cadence. You can't drive out the pump and stretch out the pump as much. Better low end though. Better low end. And yeah. and that's that's definitely one thing I like about it. Yeah, you can definitely get out of the hole. We call it grave digging. I feel like on a shorter fuse, you're able to like pump up out of the hole when you're near a stall easier. But then when you're at a maintenance speed, you're not quite as the, you're not quite at the efficiency level that you would be otherwise. Um, the setup I'm riding, so I'm mostly on Takuma right now, and I've got my um, my tail that I'm using is it essentially makes the fuse about two inches shorter than it is stock. Ordered at foilparts.com. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> um, and that that's the feel that I that I've landed on that I like the most. I've tried shorter. I'm not I'm not really into it. I think. You know, it's a personal preference thing, but um, the turns I'm able to do on a slightly shorter fuse are definitely more radical, which I like. And I don't feel like where I've landed is negatively affecting my pump enough to not want to be there. I mean, I still even downwind with that one, and um, I'm totally okay with that cadence. So, yeah, the fuse talk is that's an interesting one. Tell them where you're at. You've so, around. downwinding long fuse. Right. For sure. I want to stretch out everything, especially mm -hmm. on the bigger boards, like the, the Barracuda. I feel like it just feels so much more natural to have the cadence of the pump. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm all about efficiency. We know I don't have the best cardio. Yeah, you're such a so, sandbagger. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm all about efficiency, and I find the long fuse helps a lot when you're, when you're um, downwinding. I go back and forth right now. The the two lengths that I have been at are like a 58 and a 63. And I'm having great moments on both. And as I have progressed through tuning, I started off, um, I've been predominantly on the uni stuff because that's just what I'm, I'm testing. We're so focused on, on getting that to be right. But um, I've been going back and forth between the short and length. At the beginning, I loved the long fuse. I was... Um, really hooked i think when you felt it it was on the long fuse mm -hmm. and now as i've changed the tuning a little bit i'm getting almost the same pump out of the short fuse almost the same glide which is pretty crazy mm -hmm. um th the way that like i'm i'm flat tailing it's like zero shim tail super far forward so it actually has the same effect almost as a longer fuse because if you think about what fuse does is it's like the wavelength of your pump in, in mm -hmm. pumping. Yep. So by having a shim, so say you have a two degree shim on a, on a shorter fuse versus a longer fuse, that wavelength is, is going to, is going to change relatively more on the short fuse than on the long fuse. But now that I'm running everything flat, the, I feel like the wavelength is, it's, Similar. it's almost like a Takuma, like normal fuse length that mm -hmm. I feel right now. Yeah. Um, it's a few centimeters shorter. Um, and, but then I still have the benefits of getting back over it. Something that's been interesting in the way that I've realized, this is not something that I was trying to do or, or looking to do, but I've realized that my favorite setups, my favorite mass position right now for boards, my tail is lining up with the tail of the board. So it, in, in a way that kind of makes sense to me to where when you go back, you have direct access over the tail. There's no more uh, it's like equal leverage on the tail when you're, when you're all the way back. Uh, and I, I don't know, maybe Kane or someone can, can chime in and see if they're in the same place or if, if they have thoughts on that, but that's where I've liked it. Um, and it also depends on the style of surfing that I want to do. 
Yeah, for you, sure. You know, like some days I just really love like the mid-length lines type mm -hmm. of stuff. I love just relaxing into foiling. I think it's one of the coolest things about it is just going out there and just drawing. If someone could tell you that like you could surf head high waves every day and do those turns. Would you take that trade and not shortboard? Everybody would be like, yeah, I'll take that right. trade. And foiling, we kind of have that trade if we want it. And yeah. so the the long fuse kind of gives me access to, it's less pitchy, so I don't have to worry about that as much so I can relax more when I'm drawing lines. Yeah, it's definitely harder to, to and I'm, I'm com you know, to make it more dramatic, the the, ver the super, super short fuses, it's definitely harder to relax into those. The super stuff I don't, I, the super short <laughs> stuff I don't you're, like. You're spending a lot of time managing, um, you know, managing height. And it's, although they can turn like crazy, you're the sacrifices that you're you're spending so much time and kind of mental energy managing the actual flight on a super short fuse setup yep that it kind of it just it takes away from the, the overall experience um to uh to give an example of long fuse versus short so the the tail i'm riding i made one just as a test and did the polar opposite so now i was four inches further and that, I put it yep. on the 1440. Um, there's a dock starting video on my Instagram clip. I have an Instagram clip of a dock starting video on that tail. And I was trying to just optimize for just pumping. And right out of the gates, it was like super drivey. I was just like pumping straight into the wind. And I was like, oh my God, like this is, this is incredible. You know, and I was getting ready for one of those uh, pump competitions in Cocoa Beach. And I was like, this is the one I'm going to have to use this. This makes the most sense. I can pump it like crazy. It's so drivey. And, um, and then I took it down there and before the competition, I was, uh, I was trying to get a couple practice runs and although it pumped incredibly, I had a hard time managing the wing because it was so much stiffer. I didn't have the same control that mm -hmm. I, that I was used to with the four inches shorter, which is a pretty dramatic difference that ultimately I ended up just going back to my wing that I was used to because I had better control. So I was able to hop up on a wave and make a turn to get out the back easier on my normal shorter fuse setup because of the responsiveness. Right. So on a, in a straight line, 100%, I, I would have been on the long fuse. It just makes sense. Yep. But with that big of a wing and the challenges you have in rolling that big of a wing, I felt like I was at a better advantage being able to control it more to, to put myself in position where I can pump versus just the longer dedicating to the super long one where it's straight line. Yep. So that was kind of an interesting feel in comparison. Yeah. Um, something about tuning since this show is kind of about tuning at this point, <laughs> um, on a longer fuse, you need a little bit more of angle of attack for the same foot pressure. So if you think about it, like I was saying before the, um, you get a, a different like wavelength, from different fuse setups. So if you think about the angle um, at, you know, 60 versus 65, if it's a one degree shim at 60, to have the same feel on the front foot, you probably need a one and a half or a one and a quarter shim uh, on the longer fuse to get the, to get the same feel. I also find in regards to tuning that I move longer fuses up in the box more and that's probably because i don't like to change the tail shim so i want to keep that same weighting so i'm about an inch farther forward on the long fuse than i am on the short fuse for the same feel in turns and pumping so hopefully yeah. that helps somebody there's a different um there's 
there's different leverages i think about it from that standpoint like mm -hmm. on the longer fuse the same size tail wing is going to have more leverage against the system on a longer fuse than it would be on a shorter one it has it has more leverage but it has less angle right so like if you think about if you're tuning it like that if you have, if you keep the same angle and you move it out it it the the wave the, the wave of pump actually gets longer so if you want like the same front foot pressure you need more angle of attack the farther back you go like if you took it to the extreme if I you had a tail saying. that was a mile long like a fuse that was a mile long and you wanted front foot pressure you'd have to have a massive angle on it to get a little bit of front foot pressure hmm. i like that whole like taking things to the extreme which was my response to mike on on the forum the other day was <laughs> you know like the what are they the segways yeah the, the difference in cool factor between a segway and a, a one wheel even though one wheels are not that cool <laughs> it's still monumental and <laughs> yeah eric thinks that i'm going to end up standing sideways perfectly sideways on my board trying to rip Probably looking, like, looking like, little, like i'm riding a little segway. post up front to hold yeah, on yeah, to that would, that would that would be helpful think about that yeah that's yeah, it right there <laughs> that's it make it make a foil scooter think about how much leverage you could have if it was like a three foot wide board and you can jam on the rail that hard uh, yeah, they're not gonna have my stance super close, literally like side by side, side at by the side. rails of the board. Yep. And then with the with like handlebars, the, with the scooter handle, I could have this. I could still have the leverage. Yep. Oh man. Yeah, we're on to something. <laughs> <laughs> Going downhill quick. Uh, so, what are you most excited about over the next couple of months? I've, I've, like I said, I've really been excited about working on s some specific. Um, movements for me and i've just been hyper focusing on some specific things i've been working on that um strapless 360 which has been like a love-hate relationship but it's been really exciting for me to to be able to land that and it it i think what's what's so exciting is that it kind of opens up my mind into what's possible for me mm -hmm. in this sport and i love the idea of a foil run that includes something super techie like that um, in, in combination with flow and hard rail, t rail type turns, um, you know, lip hits. And that's the, the direction I'm moving in right now and I'm most excited about is trying to kind of incorporate all of these different movements into, into runs. Mm -hmm. You know, so like when I, you know, the, the last time I came up and we surfed, like, like I was kind of having what we call a shocker session. And it wasn't necessarily because I wasn't able to do the type of surfing that I normally I was doing individual things well, but I wasn't tying them all together. And what excites me right now is doing epic things in foiling and having them tied in together into a two minute run. You know, that's, that's yep. what's exciting me. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Versus just the single, the single bang, you know, I'm, I'm past that now. Like I want more, mm -hmm. I don't want just that one epic instagram bang clip you know i want i want that one after an epic rap you yep. know followed by a strapless 360 at the end and then still pump back out to the lineup for a, a crazy connection turn you know there's something yeah. that's yeah i i my goal these days is going through runs without any bobbles right like no no a moments run yeah, yeah exactly. super, super clean no pitchy moments mm -hmm. no places where 
you're having to like throw your hands up in the air for balance and yes. stuff like that. Like my best sessions, super tight. When, I, when I think about my best sessions, they're the ones where I'm able to piece all the things together yep. and piecing runs together with flow and still doing the radical stuff in the mix. Yeah. Yep. Those are my favorite sessions. I feel the best. I feel like I'm foiling my best when I can piece stuff together through a session like that. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that I was looking back, um, I don't know, a month or so ago and I was pretty close to what my kind of quote unquote ideal like runs are on the 1210. There's a, there's a video I did where like, it's uh there's it's like all clean like almost everything mm-hmm. clean the only part that there's a bobble and I actually hit a jellyfish <laughs> like going into a backside <laughs> top turn like i hit a jellyfish i kind of like got weird yeah. but like it's nice living on the east coast you always got jellyfish for an excuse yeah, yeah. nobody can see them right you know no, that, was, that just, was real. you could just say <laughs> um but then i started going into smaller foils and there's just a lot more to manage everything's faster it's right. pitchier and so I'm almost back to the place probably six, eight months later that I was on the 1210, but now on like 1095, 170. But it's taken right. me that long to get my runs clean again, mm-hmm. which is which is kind of crazy to think about. Like there's, you know. Well, I mean, it's a smaller, you're, you're, I mean, you have to manage it differently. And I think you're a perfect example of someone who is able to find energy and continued speed on a wave based on how you're turning which is beautiful right so it's like like, i think when you're on a when you're on a bigger foil they're going slower they have more lift so you don't have to do you don't have to pump as much right mm -hmm. and you also don't have to turn as much and what i see eric doing is way out back hop on a wave that's super mellow like you almost can't even you know when i'm sitting in the lineup it's like what where is the wave he's on you know like i'm talking that mellow and he'll be out there doing beautiful S turns with no pumping in between. And he's use he's using these S turns to keep his speed up. And I think that's the difference. Like you you know, when you drop down in foil size, like you kinda have to learn how to do that if you want those clean runs. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're going faster in the pocket. So right. now everything's happening quicker yeah. and tighter radiuses, but you're going faster. Right. So it's it's about it's about more keeping force. it's about keeping speed. And if you can keep speed without pumping, then you're yeah. you're winning. Yep. You know, like in my mind, that's, yep. that's the goal. Yeah. Well, that was like the first thing I told Cliffy was, you know, I think it's all about glide. Right. I think if you start with glide and then you build around that, yeah. then I think that, um, that, that for what we do for, for what I, what I, I guess what I'm chasing, then that's, um, a great starting point, mm-hmm. you know, get the turning, get the pump, but that glide. And that's actually an, an interesting differentiation between pump and glide. There are some foils that pump great that have terrible glide. Yeah, that is interesting. You know, and there's other that foils that have great glide that don't pump very well. Yeah. But getting both together. Um, yeah, a lot of it's, I mean, some of that is probably, probably has to do with flex in a system when I think about it. I mean, if you have, you can have a, a foil that glides incredibly well when you're just standing mm-hmm. and going in a straight line. But then as soon as you start pumping on it, if everything in the system is flexy, you're just losing your, you're losing your power. Right. And, you know, so you might have a great foil that glides well, but doesn't pump well. I think a lot, a lot of times it could be flex related, you know, there's definitely other factors, but, um, that's the first thing that comes to mind to me. Yeah. Like when, I, when one of when my, uh, Takuma systems get, get loose, it's like, oh yeah. Oh my God. It's the pump is, it just kills the pump so much. Yep. 
Or, I mean, even when I went from their mask to Sadrus No Limits, mm-hmm. the the amount of extra f- like power transfer yeah. I was able to get was crazy. Absolutely. I was like, this yeah. has been left on the table this whole time. Right. You know? Yeah. Still, I did see I mean, they're coming out with a new mask. Did you see it? No. It's oh, yeah, that, yeah, I did. I heard about that. That That's like right. weird, like... I haven't seen it yet, but I've, I heard that they were doing it. Yeah, there's like a piece on the front of the hosel, as Dave calls it. Uh, <laughs> that like tightens up inside. So as you're screwing it in, apparently the inside hosel gets bigger. The male part gets like. That's awesome. That yeah. is we'll see. definitely I mean, needed. Now they got to <laughs> execute and not break. But right. Definitely needed there. They should take like three months and get their design team to work on their manufacturing side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the, the part of the problem is that, I mean, there's different factories building the same thing so you know the design on the computer might be spot on but then if you've got john building one of them and then freddie's over here building the same quote-unquote same thing i mean if they're doing it in different ways i mean yeah you're gonna get some variations yeah for sure but yeah that power delivery on a stiff system is such a such a big deal I, i like to equate it to it's like if you were to sprint on soft sand versus sprinting on concrete. It's like, you know, you're doing the same thing. You're using the same muscles. You're, you're, you're doing the exact same thing, but in, in one way, the power you're delivering directly results in forward motion. And in the other way, the power you're delivering starts resulting halfway in dimples in the sand and the other half in forward motion. Yep. So, yeah, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Um, there's something about when you get on one of those setups that just feels super solid and then also has like a higher, like efficient range. Like there, you know, like every foil has like its efficiency spot for mm-hmm. pumping, like uh game changer 1260. When I realized that the efficiency spot on the game changer was like nine miles an hour, I could stay up for such a long time and it was so rad. But for like a year right. before that, I was trying to pump it at 12, just yeah. working my ass off. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's funny. I don't know how, I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about your, the uni stuff you're working on. You can talk about it. Just no specifics on what it is. I I got to ride. Um, I got to dabble in the 170 and the 140 for just a little bit on short sessions. And the first thing I noticed was the pump efficiency. And I think a lot of that has to do with the system too. I mean, that it was like, it was definitely that press down on it and get an immediate result in forward motion. And I love that. It's like, yeah, like that, that drive, like pull off of a wave. And it's like on the first pump, you know, it's like, yes, I can make this thing go really fast. Like it's, it's there. And yeah, that's huge. That, but that, that thing, it felt, it felt stiff in the right ways, you know, like on the, on the pump out. That was, that was the first thing I noticed though, popped up on a wave, pulled out and I was like, okay, yeah, immediate power delivery yep. results. Yeah. I'm frothing on like how it's maintaining speed and how much less I'm having to pump. Mm-hmm. You know, for um yeah. Well, if every pump is a perfect delivery of power, then that in it's, itself is part of it, you yeah. know. And then you got the the actual foil section itself and the, you know. Yeah. Well, that's where we spent our time. Like what we tested the most was an existing foil that Cliffy had designed that worked. And then, so, so we had a base point 
and then we changed foil section on that to test for efficiency essentially so we took like a, a template that worked and then we we tried it with different foil sections and then we found the efficient foil section and then from that we moved forward to design the rest around that that's so a cool process instead of maybe taking a template that we didn't know how it was going to work and then not knowing where we were we started with something like all right we know how this goes let's take this and then let's let's iterate on this first before we change the shape cuz you know it's all about foil section right and and we figured out uh and I don't want to give away the secret sauce I guess cuz I I don't know if Cliffy would want me to but we figured out um a variable that regulates glide and it takes away a little bit of top end but it adds a massive amount of efficient of efficiency to the foil and so like the speed range is like seven is my stall speed seven and a half up to about 22 23 miles an hour is like what i'm hitting plenty of top end yeah 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 so but um i mean there's faster foils out there i'm sure like lift 120 is a lot faster and stuff but um you don't need to go faster than that yeah i i mean i have something to add to the top end as far as foils foils go i mean like the lift 120 is a perfect example super fast foil feels really really good and within a certain speed range but as you start reaching those higher top ends well now it's like i can't control the foil the same it gets locked in right. i would rather take off two mile an hour of the top end and just let it stay in a um a speed range that's manageable for turning i don't you know what right. i mean like and i feel the same way about the 1095 that's something that's always bothered me a little bit about the 1095 it's a fast foil and it's got a good top end but i'd I don't like it at the top end. Right. I don't. I don't like the way it feels at the top end. I can't control it as well. So it doesn't want to roll. It's it hard to initiate. Roll. Yeah, you get out of like the turning it speed. It becomes a different feeling foil at yep. those speeds. And like I'm saying, I would, I would like absolutely rather sacrifice a couple miles an hour off the top end to keep it in a controllable speed range. So that's a beauty, beautiful thing about the 1210 is that the 1210, you can get it out of its range. But it's got enough drag, and yeah. I'm saying it like a good thing, to right. where by the time you're in the flats, you can crank a bottom turn. Yeah, I the, agree. The 1095, I have run 25 mm-hmm. feet in front of a wave waiting to be able yeah. to do a bottom turn, right? <laughs> right? I can't roll it over quite yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point with the yeah, the, the 1210. And that's probably one of the reasons why I still frequently bounce back to the 1210. It's very dependable through its speed range. Yeah. You know? Whereas the efficiency is not there, as you know, to the level of the 1095, the top end is not there to the level of the 1095. The whole speed range is very dependable to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, we need to get on a downwinder again together. Yeah, it's been a bit. It has. The um, it has. Um, where does that? What's your hierarchy of foiling right now? Like it's on in all disciplines. Oh man! So we never have to make that choice, but yeah, what is it? That's t- if it's on in all disciplines, like, and you can throw toe in there as a separate discipline. Oh man! Well, towing is really fun because you can just get such a bang for your buck out of a session. I don't. I I really. I think I'm a prone guy at heart. It's my favorite way of foiling. But man, uh, dude, a down a downwind run is a really, really close second. Um, yeah. A toe is a close second too. It kind of depends on 
you know, the conditions and your, your partner, I, the only problem with towing is you have to share waves. <laughs> <laughs> and if I'm at my peak energy level, there are times where I would rather go out and prone because I have full freedom, free range. There's no, there's, I don't have to share with anybody. I can just get it as much as I want. And that's, there's some beauty about that. And the same thing with downwinding. It's like, it's you, man, you know, like you might yep. be with a buddy, but like, yeah. I'm not sharing a bump with you. And if I am, I'm actually kind of stoked. Yep. You know? I have yet to share a bump with really anybody. Yeah, you and I got within about a couple hundred meters of each other. Yeah, we got the closest, point. but um, yeah, downwinding is a very close second to proning for me. Yeah, I'm, for sure. I'm the same way. And, and I don't know, I think it would depend on the day which would win right now. Because right. the last downwind run on the Barracuda that I had was like surfing. It was like, it was a five mile run, one chip. And it was, I, so I got a camel back, which has changed my whole world, bro. <laughs> Cause yeah. I'm dying out there the whole time Yeah, and I'm drinking water now. I'm like hanging out. Um, but it was just, I think of the five miles, one mile of it was probably just carving. I mean, like, and kind of like that, that Barracuda, I don't know how it works this way. But it feels like a much smaller board. It feels a lot smaller in turns than the E3, the 6.4. Mm -hmm. And so it gives me the ability to be a little bit more aggressive, like on the top turn, like bottom turn into the top turn on a bump, because I right. know I can project back into the flats again. Yeah. And so then that was giving me all this confidence to sometimes we get like really narrow bumps. And so I was able to like kind of like tightly turn almost like I would on a prone board to keep the energy up instead of pumping. So I found myself turning through sections really for the first time that I, like, like you were just talking about, like I do yeah. out back here. Yep. I was kind of doing that offshore in the same way, right. dry, like creating speed through turning where there's not a lot of energy there. How rad is that, man? I couldn't the believe it. Infinite like, yeah. amount of energy that, yeah. So sick. I think I definitely fall, fall into a deeper flow state when I'm downwinding versus prone foiling. Me too. I mean, it's intervals in prone foiling, you know? Like, yep. Yeah, I'm in a flow state, but it's a shorter amount of time, whereas downwinding, it's like you're so in it, like so focused. Yeah. Something happens to me around the 10-minute mark where it's just like I kind of forget who I am, where I am, the whole thing. and Right. Then there's like a couple minutes to like come back to when I finish yeah. the run. I'm like, all right, where am I? Yeah. So, what am I doing? It's like a portal to another dimension. Yep. Yeah. That's why? Yeah. Yep. Um, if you could create conditions, get a magic genie, the only wish you can ask for is what the conditions are going to be tomorrow. Hmm. What do you pick for? Sounds good. Well, and if all disciplines, whatever. Yeah. So if I'm prone foiling, my favorite conditions are probably waist to chest high tops. Yep. Um, with reasonably long lines, maybe, maybe a 10 second interval. I don't really actually for here. I don't think past 10 seconds is starts closing. It out. starts. Yeah. It changes the dynamic in a way that I'm, I'm not as into. Um, yeah. So waist, waist to chest high, maybe a nine second interval and a wave that has, I mean, I'm rubbing a genie in a bottle right now, yeah, so I'm yeah, giving yeah. you, like, this is what I really want. I want a wave that has mushy sections, 
and sections that are slightly punchier that I can get speed from that maybe flow back into a mushy section where there's lips to hit, open faces to carve, a super light offshore breeze, very light, like five mile an hour or less. Yep. Those are probably my golden conditions. Yeah. So that's Shoals. I I know, (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah. Which is really funny that, because I was just thinking like, we actually get that. I mean, like nine seconds. I mean, so we're talking maybe... 2.8 2.8 at nine, three foot at nine seconds. Like, yeah. you know, that's... I'd say four to eight would be mine. Yeah. A little closer together, like connections. I like it when you can <clears throat> kick out and connect without a pump, which that it has to be a little, a little closer together. That's one of my favorite things about shore runners is yeah. peeling off of a super fast high line and not pumping at all and just doing a full circle into the next connection Yep, and then continuing through. That's, there's something crazy beautiful about that yeah i have had some days with really short period like like six seven seconds that gets super fun for those reasons yeah Mm -hmm. when we get the suck up south swells so that front comes through and then it's blowing like it blows onshore pretty hard from like uh southeast and then it'll switch offshore as the front comes through Mm -hmm. and so you get stacked up like five feet at five second well those are some of my favorite days because yeah yeah, you're just you're peeling off and the next one's right there there's always a wave behind it it's like there's no lulls that's amazing those are good days to work on bangs too because there's not as much oomph right around the the section you know the whole thing's not going to fold over on you and surprise you you probably just have like a little wedge of a section that you can blast and yeah those are those are super fun too so that's for prone for downwind the f- the first start of a northeaster is pretty spot on. Oh, when down just, where you are, yeah. Like, so okay, north northwest, which is like side offshore for us, and then straight side shore nuking. Those are, yeah. Before it gets giant. Yep. That's that's ideal. I'm looking forward to doing some longer runs. Me too. I'm like, are you. I mean, you've. What's your longest run right now? I think it's. I oh, I posted it on my Instagram. I want to say, nine. Nine miles? Yeah. I That's got the legit. PR right now. The technical PR. Mm, do you? I, I haven't seen proof of, of, are you claiming something? No, you're I'm not show? claiming. So I thought Brian did like 10. It's not other. It's not logged. Oh, well. If, Brian, if it is, I mean, show me the numbers, man. I mean, I, we talked about <laughs> it, but we all agreed at one point that if you don't have proof of it, then you can't claim it. Yeah. So my, I, I think that. I uh, think he did say that, though, that he did like a solid. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if it was in one ship or not. So I don't think he would claim it if it wasn't in one ship. So so Brian might have it. it Austin claimed a long one too, but he didn't have proof either. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I could have a twenty miler and yeah, my, I don't have proof. <laughs> I'm always limited by get out points. Like yeah, Sarah's dropping me off right. <laughs> as far down as you can drive in Ponte Vedra right now, and that's about a five and a half mile run back mm-hmm. to the house. And then I go from here to Kirk's house, which is like the end of like before you have to go into the yeah. park, and that's six miles. I'm starting to be I'm doing those like easy by the uh so where I'm at in St. Augustine we've got these two inlets so it's like I kind of have to work within Was unless it 13 I wanna, miles unless How I want to about that yeah. yeah but the get out point for I mean you're I can't I still can't do the full 13 prune and actually have like without walking a couple miles you know so like right. I'm kind of like so the nine miler I did is that was from Matanzas to the St. Augustine pier and that's like Right. You know, 
I can't, I can't really go much past that. Like then I'm going to be running into an inlet. Oh dude. Our shore runners just got worse because the pier is open. Uh, so you can no longer shoot the pier. There's just fishing lines well, everywhere. You, you can, it just doesn't end well. <laughs> <laughs> it ends with getting hooked or getting in a fight. Probably. I've, I've caught a couple of fishing lines. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That sucks. Which I mean, it's fine. You can always go around it, but it's not, it's, it's fun shooting the pier for downwinders. It's not, it's a non-issue You're for so short. Out, yeah. It's a little different. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm about to the point where, you know, I'm going to have to just start sending through the inlet, like past the inlet. Yeah. You know, or we do Volano North on a South. That's a good stretch. Yep. That's a good stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you'd have a, I mean, that's like a 20 mile run you could do. Yeah. And I have pumped, I've pumped through the inlet before. Right. Like when, during a toe session when mm-hmm. the bumps line up right. So it's doable. Yeah. But as far as like a prone shore runner, yeah, I wouldn't little, do that. It's a little well, sketchy, you know? I mean, if we were on the, if we were doing downwards. Did downwind, you do your nine miles prone? Mm-hmm. You weren't on your downboard. So I don't really no, do prone shore, shore runners run, that anymore. That was actually a shore runner. I'm preferring downwind now to that. I would, ra- I would rather do downwind now. That day though, the way... Everything was lining up. Mm-hmm. I could see it from the beach right on the shore. I was like, oh, this is a PR day. Like, this yeah. is totally doable, you know? So I kind of just sent it because it was, the conditions were just spot on. Um, yeah, I, uh, that's an interesting one. Brian keeps getting, trying to get me to do shore runners with him right now. And I want to do another one because I've been doing, uh, actually, I do shore runners. But I just kind of go from the house to the pier, which is like a mile and a half, a little, mm-hmm. little under a mile and a half, uh, just because I'm just walk it back. Right. It's pretty easy. Yeah. That's kind of how I end a lot of my sessions now. It's like the last run. I just like, all right, send I'll it. send it a little bit. Yeah. And go down. But, I still love shore runners. I mean, you're, yeah. I know you've been super deep and downwind and I think they both have their, you know, I was going to say pros and cons. There's not a ton of cons to either of them because they're, so, <laughs> they're so awesome. But um, but there there are times where a shore runner is just, it feels a little bit more accessible, for, you know, like right. for me. And um, especially like, you know, if I'm organized, like if my wife's driving on the beach or something, it's just kind of like I'm right there. Right. You know, it just, especially like prone, super easy chip back up. Like if I fall, I mean, it's just, it's. And I can still work offshore a little bit. I kind of dabble on my shore. The last few I've done, I've been dabbling. Like, I'll go further offshore, and then I'll kind of pump back in, go further offshore. So I'm kind of playing with both a little bit. Like, remember the one me and you did? Yep. You were on your sup. Yep. And I was on my prone, and I was I was just about on your line. Yeah. Like, yeah. we were out. I was out there. Like, yeah, yeah. uncomfortably out there. Like, I don't want to fall right here. This is a very, very long swim out there. Yeah. You know? And that was super fun. I, and I was glad on that day that I had worked my way outside where I did because it was genuinely easier out there than it was mm-hmm. on the inside. Well, I find that it is way easier out yeah. there. I like the way that the bumps the tro- line up. The troughs change and like the steepness of bumps. Yeah, Angle's there's more better. abundant energy. I would agree. Yeah. yeah. When you start getting into shallower water, things those waves all slow down and they change their shape. And, yep. They get more yeah. angle. They're more angled right. towards the beach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Um, I had one, I had that last run I had that was so much fun was an interesting one because the wind was basically straight south and it was really easy to work my way offshore. I was way offshore. Mm-hmm. And then coming back in was like, I ended up like, I, I ended up passing 16th 
I was trying to like find bumps to get back in. And it was like really difficult to go left because you're kind of going into the wind mm-hmm. going left. Um, and your backside. Yeah. Which I'm not worried about that. It was just more about like the pumping those big boards into the wind is really difficult. Yeah. And so I ended it's up like nose. coming off foil. Like I passed the house already and just paddled in, which I was very happy that I was on a big board because yeah. I was way offshore. Well, you're pretty much on a prone race board from what it looks like to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw the Barracuda for the first time this morning and I like I mean, it is nothing like I've ever seen before in foiling. Right. Like it is very dramatically different from everything I have seen thus far. Yeah. And yeah. you guys aren't gonna see any pictures of my Barracuda for a little while because <laughs> Dave won't let me post any because in transit Thank you, United Airlines. They squished the nose. Like the the last six inches of the nose got squished in. And so because I was so frothy to get it out, I did what Dave is calling the ugliest repair job. He says it's I'm the ugliest barracuda he's ever yep. seen. Um, but it is watertight and it does work. And I am riding it. But at some point, I'll have to fix it and make it look pretty. Yeah, well, but, if anybody sees it, hopefully they'll know now that that's not Dave's doing. That's it's not doing. Dave's doing. I was dude, joking with I, don't know. I was like, man, if I was Dave, I'd be like, take my name off that thing, <laughs> yeah. dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I mean, obviously it's super ugly, but I was trying to save as much foam up front as possible. Yeah. And then I didn't want to fill it in with a bunch of spackling. It, and just, like... it just looks like you put a condom on the front of the board to me. <laughs> it's basically what it looks like. Yeah. It's just wrinkly. Just foam. Like, <laughs> yeah. so bad. <laughs> It's working for you right now, though. Dude, I've had my best run on it ever, so yeah. I ain't, I'm not upset. Well, what do you want to end on, man? It's been a good one. Yeah. Um, I guess the, the thing I'm most excited about right now is, is what we're doing with the boards. I'm really excited to get some out there and get some feedback. Um, the way this sport is changing and evolving, I'm stoked to kind of like follow our design along with the direction yeah. the sport's going and continue to adapt it's we've been diving so deep into the design side and it's so exciting you you know what i really like about having i mean we've been talking about foiling now foiling together for like i don't know almost three years i think i think it's been i think it's been over three has it yeah um but that you don't see things exactly the same way that i do which i I think is super healthy yeah and you're also we've got plenty to argue about all exactly the time, which is good and, and and neither of us are like backing down so like yeah for an idea to, to win it actually really has to win mm-hmm. you don't get like you don't bully over right you know yeah which i think is i think it's good i think it'll make as we do this over the next few years i think it'll 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 we'll come up with some cool stuff because of it through that yeah, process for I think. sure and, and right now it's you know like some of the the way you design some of your boards i designed mine a little differently and a little more catered towards my direction and foiling yeah. and you know a lot of people are going to be more in, in line with your direction and foiling and then some people are going to be more in line of what i'm trying to do yep. with it and the the cool thing is that we're going to have boards for both of those yep. you know both of our differences yeah whereas i would have a harder time making a board specifically for your direction like which is it's beautiful that you're designing your your boards for your direction right you know so yep yeah agreed yeah i think it's it's healthy i think it's gonna be cool i cannot wait i think i'm hoping that some of these um there's a actually i'll talk about it right now um 
So one of the thoughts that I've had is I think that we have been thinking about scaling boards in the wrong way. And so and what I mean by that is I think everyone right now scales boards in length. I think that optimally, though, boards should scale in width. And the reason why is that it adds a stability, it adds leaders, it lets you get in, but it still allows you to be in the same spot and have less swing weight when pumping and all that. So the one of the models that I have coming out, it's in three sizes, but the sizes are 17, 19, and 21, and they're all four five. And I'm really excited to see how that is received and how folks enjoy it. Like, I, I think there's going to be some huge benefits to starting off on a, you know, four five twenty one versus Absolutely. a five zero. Right. And um, that's actually what I started out on was basically a four five at twenty one. Yeah. 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 And I actually think that that's uh, the nineteen. I think I'm going to ride a whole lot. Mm-hmm which I think that there's going to be some benefits because the way that we're doing the bottom actually surfs a lot narrower than it, than it is, which you'll see when that gets released. But, um, that's, that was like my, that's what I'm most excited about right now. And, and I, I think that I get to I haven't tested the widest size yet. I can't wait to do that. Yeah. So that'll be really cool. Be a good summer board. Yeah. Or maybe even like a wing board. Yeah. Yeah. Even like a wing board. Um, Right on, man. It's uh, it's your show today. What do you want to leave folks with? Let you get the last word. Uh, just everybody stay frothy. I'm super stoked at the, the you know, the comments and um, content we're seeing on the forum. Um, loving the community. The community comes through again and again in this sport, um, and it's so rad to see. Just hope we can keep this vibe that we have, and as as new people come into the sport, like encompass them, them into this vibe yeah. that we have in the foil community because it's beautiful it it's, is it really is i feel like we are all friends yep. i'm like getting cheesy right now but i really like are you cheering up bro it's uh, i know <laughs> mike's cheering up yeah, yeah. no it, it's it's been so cool man like you know and and social media with foiling is still super friendly and inviting and i and i love it i love yep. i love the direction the sport's going i just i just want to keep seeing it move in that direction so let's do it love it mike Thank you, as always, for coming on the show. Right on. This is the Progression Project Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen.